Hell yeah. Hello everyone, this is Jose Herrera with the O3XX series. Today's special guest is Mike Dalglish, the father of Rory Dalglish. A little bit about Mike. Mike was born in Jamaica. He grew up most on the West Indian Islands. Mike is Caribbean, England educated, and has traveled around the world twice on his own dime while working in the hospitality industry. Mike became an American citizen, caught the eye of an American gal while managing a restaurant in Jamaica. He married her and had one child, a son called Rory Henderson. Mike, a generally simple grassroots guy, became a stay-at-home dad slash husband for his two amigos, coined from the movie The Three Amigos, which fitted them once Rory was born. On September 29th, 2013, Mike's dreams were crushed. Four years of devastation surrounded by a dark, thick pea soup cloud before diminishing and regaining some life composure after losing one of his soulmates. Mike now hopes in his own way to see the eradication of the 22 and intends to keep his son's name going along with his brothers who were with him in Afghanistan but fell on home soil due to being forgotten. Mike will continue to honor and remember the fallen veterans regardless of how they fell by walking miles, calling out their names as a sign of respect whenever he can. In Mike's words, America owes its freedom to the military men and women who commit their lives to protect this nation. So should never be ignored in the line of life after serving. And just a side note, um, I served with Rory Dalglish. I met him in 2010 during our work up to our 2011 deployment. And uh, when we found out about Rory, it was a shock. As it always is every time the phone rings. But nonetheless, we still honor, we still love, and we still hold dear Rory's contribution, who he was. And we never forget. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming on the show, sir. I, uh, I'm kind of. I know it's maybe wrong to, to say it this way, but I'm kind of looking forward to you sharing your piece. Um, I've seen, I didn't, I didn't know your son. I know I've met him, but I got ended up getting out before um, that deployment in 2011. And so I didn't, you know, he probably, I'm sure he probably didn't like me very much <laughs> as a senior, <laughs> as a senior guy leaving. And uh, you know, but, but I do, I did follow, follow on with that deployment a lot of those guys and his name was very familiar to me and i know um some details through other marines on the circumstances and i just appreciate you coming on and and willing to break bread with us and kind of dive into this this uh this thing we're doing here well that's cool i'm glad to meet you <laughs> um uh 
Well, I'm just a, a grassroots kind of guy with, with a attitude, nothing ventured, nothing gained uh, kind of thing. Uh, I was born in Jamaica. I was schooled in the Caribbean, uh, England and the Bahamas. Um, I've been around the world a couple of times. Basically doing that, I learned to fend for myself and watching my P's and Q's and generally doing what was expected of me. Although on one particular occasion, <laughs> I, I happened to uh, cross a borderline and the next thing I hear was rat ta 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 And uh, it was a machine gun. Um, and I ran back and of course the security guard told me, you see what happens when you don't listen to me? Um, I've never dug, dug into politics or religion, um, mainly because uh, when I left school, I entered the hotel industry and those two, two words you never talk about. <clears throat> um, I've lived under many many flags for the last 35 years, well, for the first 35 years of my life. Um, today, my heart pounds every time I see the American flag or hear the anthem. Um, and I think it mainly because of the fact that I helped build an American who fought for this country, so. Um, I've now been in the States for 35 years, so I'm halfway <laughs> into my life kind of thing. And quite frankly, I still do not talk politics because as far as I'm concerned, it's almost like football. I just don't understand football. And religion I keep to myself or it's nobody's business but my own. Um, the first 15 years, uh, I basically, uh, the first 15 years of actually being in the United States, um, I, I kind of concentrated on being married, uh, bringing up a son and making a home for the three of us. Anything and everything outside of that, you know, I, I basically took as a, a nonchalant kind of thing um, since the latter was more important to me. Um, I think Rory was about 10 when we discovered that I needed to become a, a nationalized American. Um, and uh, it was kind of funny because most of the requirements which was basically history of the United States, I knew um, from learning that at school in England and the Bahamas and, and Barbados. Um, because back then we, we kind of, when it came to the 
hit in subject history, we, we got to know about the entire world. Um, but the one thing I didn't know was the Constitution, and I certainly did not know the number of representatives allowed in the House and the Senate. But I guess I must have passed because I am now a recognized American. Um, I've come to know that my Marine son appeared to have had the right stuff. Um, how he got this must have been due to everyone he encountered during his 23 years. But what stands out in my mind is he had a ton of respect for everybody, everyone, and, and everything. Uh, <clears throat> his, uh, I never saw anything like that when, before he entered the Marine, Marine Corps, before he left, before he got on a bus and headed off to Paris Island. I didn't know any of this. Um, he was just my son. Um, he had a hell of a sense of humor. Real proud of him. But anyway, um, he went off to Paradise Island and, and at graduation, when I saw that guy, boy, tell you, he, he was something else. He was a man. Um, and he was proud. He was a proud guy. He succeeded in doing what he wa wanted to do in the first place and uh, a proud Marine. There was no question about it. Um, his passing was accidental, that we know. And he was never officially diagnosed with PTS until after we lost him. Um, his death was investigated and it was determined that he, he died in the line of duty, <laughs> which was pretty good. He did try and get help while he was, when he came back from Afghanistan. He joined Wounded Warriors Battalion. But I think all along, the biggest thing that he kept on running into was the fact that um, the loss of his brothers waved on his head. Um, but most of all, his, the problem with his marriage. <clears throat> You see, there's, there's a guy that kind of saw a good relationship between his mother and father. Um, my sister and her husband, um, my nephew, uh, my oldest nephew and my youngest nephew. He also saw a, a relationship with the... Um, his mother's older sister. Um, and I, we believe that he, he was hoping to have that with this girl. Well, as you probably, I don't know if you know, but when you're in Jacksonville, you, 
<laughs> so much, so many things going on in Jacksonville outside of camp that sometimes you wonder, you have to wonder what, what it's all about. But anyway, she played around and uh, she was not prepared to stand by him at all. And Caused them a hell of a lot of problems. I don't speak her name. I never speak her name. And as a matter of fact, there's a lot of photographs of him and her, and <laughs> I've gone and white whited them out. I don't I don't even know where she is these days. But anyway, um I'm not much of a talker or have eloquent words to put on paper. So, you know, I tend to rely on my actions um, to show how I feel regarding anything relating to veterans' losses while on, on home soil. And, uh, and I do this because of my son because um, I don't believe he ever wanted to do what he did. Um, there were lots of times on, as a matter of fact, there's one particular time when he was at boot camp, somebody um, did do the deed. I don't like, don't like the word suicide, but the guy did do the deed. And I think uh, <clears throat> that's one occasion just before he went off to Afghanistan, somebody did it. And But I know that there were a couple that came back from Afghanistan and they did it. Um, but he was pretty upset about all that. And there was one occasion when he and I were in the car. Um, it was a two-hour two ride, I think it was, or at least an hour and a half. We were going from Virginia to Maryland. And it was just the two of us in the car, and that was the, the best, best day I ever had. It was like a father and son bonding with each other and just shooting the breeze and enjoying each other's company. and. The word was never on his mind. So it was kind of a blow when, when we lost him. Um, I spent the four, first four years of trying to uh, get out of uh, the deep, dark cloud that I had. I mean, this, this cloud was so thick. Uh, I didn't want to do anything. Motivation was nowhere there. <clears throat> um, there were times when I wanted to do the deed. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just like I was done. Well, uh, they say time heals but it suddenly takes a hell of a long time to, do, to get there. 
Um, but anyway, I, uh, I'm a little better off now than I was back then. In fact, I'm, I suppose I'm about 90% better than I was three years ago. But I'm out to try and do something. I'm, I'm out to try and make sure that no veteran is forgotten. Um, you know, you guys went over there to fight for the, the freedom of this country. And you've been doing that for years and years and years. And I commend you on it. I commend you on what you had to go through um, over there and over here. And I don't know what you went through, but if it if you go over there and, and you come back and you're having a hard time adjusting, <clears throat> then you must have seen things that are really mind-boggling, blowing or mind-bogging, whatever you want to call it. And this is why I'm, I want, in his, in, in his name, I want to be able to do something. And the only way I'm going to do it is on my steam because I haven't got the ability to do anything else. And the only thing I can do is to walk. And I will go out there every now and then, whenever it's something is in the air, like, for instance, last month, every single day I walked five, maybe six, seven miles to honor a fallen veteran. It didn't make any difference whether they he fell by his own hands or overseas. Um, I walked. And while I was walking, I called out their names. Um, nobody, of course, would hear me, but I did it anyway. Um, and that kind of thing I like to do. Uh, it's the only thing I can do. Uh, I cannot get up in a on a podium or I'm surprised that I'm doing this right now in front of you guys, but um, Jose asked me to do it, so I've, I'll do it. And it's things like that. If somebody asks me to do something, then I'm going to try and see if I can't do it. Mike. And if I fall flat on my face, I fall flat on my face. No, you won't. That's how this whole thing got started. Cause Jose's got a weird way of, of pulling the best out of somebody, even if it's the worst moment. Yes. You know? Um, that he does. Yes. But yeah, I mean, <clears throat> a lot of what you're, you're saying, I think, I mean, several, several things you said have given me chills, you know, just, just hearing it. Cause we, me and Jose know what it feels like to lose a brother, but I can't imagine what it would feel like to lose a son or, you know, someone like you said, you know, raised up to be 
this American that was willing to fight for his country, you know, and to come home, obviously with with effects from his deployment on top of having to deal with, you know, external stressors that were not related to his service. And it seems through the discussions we've had that a lot of times, you know, guys that choose to go that path, it's not, it's not only, you know, the effects of war and what you experienced a lot of times, you know, it's, it's more so the things that are going on back home, you know, that just kind of pile up and it's the straw that, that breaks the camel's back really, you know? Um, and it, you know, and I hate to hear that. I, I did not know that about his, you know, his marriage situation and that was going on, but you know, it just, just kind of, it makes me shake my head because you know, my, my squad leader last year from my Iraq deployment made the same, same decision. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to muddy the water about what caused it, but I know there was a lot of external things going on. Um, you know, that kind of just, and, and the problem that I have with that is not, not speaking about his family or anything like that, but, you know, when you have individuals that you that you allow into your life if they aren't willing to understand what you know what your son went through if you're not mature enough to realize and follow what's going on here this this real life intense combat that he was involved in and then come home and and there's all this other stuff going on because i mean that just to me is 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 despicable honestly you know because you don't know none of us know what was going on in his head i mean i feel like veterans that were in similar in situations that your son was in may be able to um you know kind of have an idea of what he was dealing with but as far as civilians go even your even your wife or significant other or family members they don't really know and I don't know for her to not. Yeah. That's just, I don't, I don't want to, I think you said it well enough that we, we, we just don't need to talk about that, but that kind of, that, that kind of really pisses me off, you know, hearing that and thinking that somebody could be so selfish and not, you know, I don't know. That just, that just bugs me, but. um, Well, he was, he he was kind of bent on, on marrying the girl. So, you know, As far as we were concerned, he was a man, he was a Marine. Um, He had to make the choice. Um, We did know a little about her before, and we certainly found out a little bit more about her afterwards. So the afterwards, we weren't basically all that surprised, but um, but I think that was the... That was the only thing that uh, you know <clears throat> the way I look at it is that Rory may have had the right stuff and he may have had the disposition to kind of uh, 
put everything out, you know, forget it kind of stuff and move on. Um, uh, but when you, when you feel as though there is something that you want and hope for and you can't get it because somebody is knocking you down, um, that's where you, you're going to fall too because it's not right. You know it's not right. Um, this is kind of something that I feel like, I mean, I'm very grateful that for you coming, coming to share this with us because I feel like it's kind of not talked about enough, really. You know, we do talk about the guys that we lost that come home and, you know, bring it home with them and, and can't ever seem to get off that patrol until it consumes them. But I'm sure the family members, just like us, you know, we, we, we talk, have, we've talked in depth about this, about how, you know, you, every time it happens to one of our guys, we all have this, this, kind of like survivor's guilt effect from it where we think was there something I could have done did I not talk to him enough you know why didn't yeah. I reach out and I can only imagine what's that what that's like being a family member you know you're you're in after you separate and, and all go your own different ways you're in way more direct contact with with your sons than than we would be, you know, chit chat here and there, or, you know, some more, more so than others, but I'm sure the effects of that kind of survivor's guilt, like you talked about, followed you for years after that, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure that was hard to overcome. I mean, it's hard for, for us to overcome that. And, you know, we, all we did was serve with them and, you know, go to hell and back with them for sure. But, you know, um, I don't think that's touched on really a lot, you know, with the families as far as what they have to deal with the, the effects from that. Do you feel like, do you feel like, I mean, after, after the situation with your son happened, do you feel like kind of you were on your own as far as any support for you? Or, or your family? Or do you, or do you... Um, I don't think so. Um, uh, <clears throat> nobody could talk to us. Well, excuse me. No, that's, that's not right. Um, we didn't want, let's put it this way. We didn't, we... We actually, the two of us, we actually treated the loss of our son um, just like he was not being able to talk about his situation to anybody other than his brothers. Um, and we we in turn couldn't, couldn't find any, well, we in turn did not want to talk to anybody unless we knew that that person had experienced the same thing that we experienced. 
Um, and eventually we did find somebody. Um, and she was a uh, counselor um, who had lost her daughter um, to drugs at a young, young age. So we were able to talk to her about it. And it, it actually did us a bit of good. But back then, the stigma of losing Rory was, it, it, it was just something that stuck with us and we could get it. We couldn't shake it. And as I said, time, time just heals it. No, um, you know, it, it, um, it's just, it's heart-wrenching. It really is. But um, if we were able to get to a point where we could live a, a reasonably decent life, then we're pretty lucky. Um, as I said, I'm, I'm still here, which is, I'll tell you, I, quite frankly, it's, I'm surprised sometimes that I'm still here, but just, you know, I, I'm, I'm 73 years old. Uh, I'm done. That's my attitude. I'm done. Uh, there's nothing more in this world I can do. Um, I don't believe that, sir. I mean, you're doing this. No, no, I know. It's, 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 I'm not going to, let's put it this way. I'm not going to be out there climbing any more mountains. <laughs> None of it. <laughs> uh, um, the only thing I'll be doing from now on is to show the flag, so to speak. You know, I have two flags to show. I have the American flag and the honor and remember flag with my son's name on it. Um, because, and that's, that's what I'm going to be doing. Um, uh, and <clears throat> if I come across something like, um, I think there was a, there's a Marine that lives in um, Ohio, I think he, is it Ohio? Anyway, somewhere in the middle. Um, he came up with the idea of trying to persuade uh, the state government to, uh, to make April Veterans Suicide Awareness Prevention Month. And he told me about this and I thought, actually he runs um, Ride for 22. Um, anyway, um, I thought that's a marvelous idea. So I sent off a letter to Mr. Trump and um, uh, DeSantis, who's our Florida's governor. And um, I got back letters that you know, basically told me, thank you very much. We'll let you know. So I'll still give it a try and see what happens. Um, 
this is why I'm not into, I went to talk to some, a couple of representatives and never heard a word out of either one of them afterwards. So uh, if something happens along the line that allows me the privilege of being able to try and say something that, you know, hey guys, um, let's quit doing what we have been doing normally and start looking after the veterans. Um, and stop this business about there's 22 every day that are dying because of um, mental issues. It's got to stop. Mike, I don't know if you remember this, but um, at the Rory's memorial, I'm going to talk to you briefly. And I said to you, um, you gained more sons now that Rory's gone. And I know that we're not Rory, but you have literally an entire battalion's worth and more than that, thousands of people that are willing to help you in this endeavor because we're all in our own way for me in 2019 was kind of my um not i want to say awakening but it was uh the first time that i was really dealing with the past um because it was hitting me really really hard and it got to the point where i just couldn't control my my, my brain chemistry and uh Luckily, I had people to drag me to the VA and uh, start that process. And in those early years, a lot of folks, and, and this is, you know, I'm not bashing the VA here or anything like that, but I got out in one month and two weeks from a third combat tour. Um, I had to go to another battalion aid station to get my final physical. Um, and then it was just, there's the door. See you later. And that was it. That was my disconnection. I was like, I dissevered everything that I had ever known. I grew up, you know, in the unit. And uh, those early years, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what to do with it. And it wasn't until just 2019 that I figured out what it all meant. And like, that's why the missions align. We have the same mission. Um, so don't ever feel or don't think that you can't achieve this or that young man who, or that old man who's doing the work with the ride for the 22, um, is alone. Uh, and I think a lot of guys, the reason why they're somewhat reserved in this is because I don't, I honestly feel that we don't know how to celebrate these individuals. I honestly don't think we understand how to celebrate these individuals. It's a dark cloud that follows 2-8 still. It's a dark cloud that still follows us. And we haven't had that hard discussion about how we celebrate these individuals and what we do to honor them. And I know that there's a constant compounding of issues, whether it's social issues, political issues, our own issues. And somehow these guys, they get pushed away or they remain in the back burner until those anniversary dates. 
and then people remember. But that's a discussion that we need to have as a community of how we celebrate these individuals. And they're not individuals, you know, they're our, they're our fucking brothers, right? I knew Rory. Rory was, Rory was a, a happy-go-lucky guy. You could put that guy through the fucking shit, beat the fuck out of him, and he's still ready to rock and roll again because he believed in the mission. He believed in, in every one of us. And uh, like Paul was saying, there's a sense of guilt that follows you um, two weeks before uh, Rory uh, went home. Um, he was he was still in wounded, uh, wounded warrior, but I had I was at wounded warrior. I was uh, doing dropping off I think some guitars with my mentor Mark, and uh, I had posted up something on Facebook, and, and Rory commented. He's like, "Hey man, you were at wounded warrior. You should have called me up." And I didn't even think about you know Rory being there. And we got the chit chatting, and I still have it in my my messenger. You know, September 9th, two thousand thirteen, and everything seemed okay. And then uh, I was celebrating my birthday on a Sunday and I got that phone call. And I, you know, I don't, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say, right? But now I do. And now we know what we're doing. And so these yahoos who sit in these positions, they can be approached and they do have a duty to answer us, the families, and those who've lost somebody. So you're not alone. And you, you, you really do have us. So whatever we can do to make that happen, we're, I'm for it, 
Oh, you. <laughs> yeah. We had a outage. Where do you you live in Florida? Yeah. Where on the west west coast? coast. On the west coast. I would say what you're the golf on the golf side. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Was yeah. it storming, or you just was? Yeah. It just... No. Um. It's. It's overcast. Yeah. At the moment, it's it's pretty pretty thick out there, and and it looks like we might get some rain shortly. But no, when when the power went off, there was no storms. It, oh. But it could could have been a storm someplace else that right. knocked out something. Well, you guys get like rain every day down there, though, huh? Well, round about this time, yes. Yeah. Um, we've just come out of a, a very severe uh, dry spell. Um, and... Um, where we live, it's still pretty, it's still pretty dry, but so we're we're looking forward to the rain. <laughs> yeah, I got a, I have family in uh, Dade City, so um, north of Tampa, like an hour. Yeah, maybe. I know where. Take, give or take. Yeah, I know where that is. Where we are two hours south of Tampa. Okay. Um. We're in a place called Inglewood or Port Charlotte. Okay. Um, which is an hour north of Fort Myers and an hour south of um, Sarasota. Gotcha. We've been we've been here for about five years now. Yeah, five years. You like Florida? Uh, yeah. Where it's were okay. you? Where were where did you uh live when when Rory enlisted? Michigan. Oh, Michigan. That's where yeah. I'm from originally. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm in the thumb. I was I grew up in the thumb. Uh so about an hour and a half north of Detroit. Port Huron is the major town, but yeah. um lived I lived right there, grew up right there on Huron. So I live in North Carolina now, but I I love Michigan. I still love their sports teams even though they're you know garbage most of the time (laughs) (laughs) so but yeah so did you know did you so can you go into like before he decided to um enlist did was he pretty open about it or did he share with you like his ideas on wanting to what he wanted to do what his plans were or was it just kind of like a spur of the moment thing (laughs) <laughs> did you, you're just gonna say mike can can you see that screenshot of yourself yes when's the last time you did that <laughs> it, looks like it looks like you're having a pretty good time man <laughs> that's crazy i've never seen that on happen i've never seen that happen so i don't know if you heard that uh my question to you but um, about Rory like deciding to join the Marine Corps do you was that some can you kind of explain that did you guys know his plans and intentions or was it kind of just something he did and, and popped it on you oh no no um uh he, he was he was about to finish um school he was about to graduate um 
And uh, he came to us one day after school and, and said, you know, there's, there's a, a couple of guys at the school that would like to have been talking to me about um, joining the Marines. And, um, and he just briefly talked about it. And, and then we said, well, you know, if, if, you, if that's what you want to do, you go right ahead and do it. Um, and then the next day um, he came up to us and he said, I need your permission. <laughs> so I said, Rory, if you want to do that, we're not going to stop you. Anything else you want to do, we're not going to stop you. You've reached the age where when we will not hold you back. If that's what you want to do, you go ahead and do it. And, um, so we gave him permission, and, and the next thing is that uh, this guy got stuck into beefing himself up in, in preparation to going to Paris Isle. Um, we had a couple of the guys, recruit guys, come over and, and talk to us, and, and um, By the time he got on that bus, he was fit. I mean, he was fit. Uh, he went from a scrawny old kid to a, a, a fit kid. He was overweight. Oh, no. Um, before he started on the kick, on the, um, the kick to um, beef up, right? Janice? Yes. Okay. He was a, uh, he wasn't scrawny. He was overweight. He was chubby. The wife says he was chubby. But he, yeah, but he got, fat. <laughs> but he got, you're, you're saying he got pretty trimmed up before he left though? Yes. Yeah. Very much so. That's a sign I, to me. I feel like I went through that same process. Not that, not that I, I, I would, didn't always try to stay in shape through my younger years, but when I decided I was going to do that, it was pretty hardcore. And that, to me, that's a sign of a good Marine, knowing you're about to go to something that you know is going to be extremely physically challenging and trying to prepare yourself for that. I mean, because guys did show up way out of shape, you know, way, like, like bad. Like they didn't understand what they were about to have to do. And um so yeah, but you guys. So you the recruiters came and you talked to them and everything. You weren't you weren't opposed to it, obviously. You know from no, yeah, no, no. And as soon as, as I said, as soon as he we told him, gave him permission, he started to really. <laughs> let's put it this way: the recruiter was so surprised because he the recruiter. Um, I remember him distinctly saying that. He'd never come across somebody who had just signed up and was prepared to beef himself up prior to going to um, Paris Island. I mean, he went to the gym. He, um, he, he what? He ran with a backpack. Um, 
as soon as we said yes, he, he got with the recruiter and between the recruiter and him and a few other guys went out um, training every single day after school. It was, you know, it was like a different guy. Rory was a different guy after that. So anyway, um, before the uh, internet went out, I was telling you that we lived in Lake Orion, which is just outside of, um, just north of Pontiac. Oh, you mean in Michigan? In Michigan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Rory's at uh, Great Lakes um, Memorial Cemetery in Holly. Okay. So if you're ever up there, go visit him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I I hadn't I hadn't made many Give him trips. Shit. I hadn't <laughs> I hadn't made many trips back. Actually, the the most recent one was my grandmother passed this uh, this year. Actually, in February. Um, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. So, yeah, thank you. So I went back for that. And uh, not that I don't love Michigan, but the town I grew up in, a small little town, there's not a whole lot there. And God bless my parents for getting us out of there because I don't know what I would be if I stayed. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's a beautiful Michigan is a beautiful place. I'm very lucky to have grown up there where we did. I mean, it was like a 10 minute walk from our house to Lake Huron. So you can't complain with that as a kid and you know, um, yeah. but yeah, I love Michigan always will. That's where, that's where I'm from. But, um, so you guys, so after he joined and everything, he, you guys still were in, in Michigan at this time. Oh yeah. So how yeah. did you, did you guys get to see him very often or that's a pretty, pretty far trip from, from Jack. Yeah. Well, we, 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 we saw him after once he gradu graduated from Paris Island. We saw him. We we drove down there for it. Um, we we my wife just said we drove down to um, Cap Lejeune every couple of months. Okay. Um, And when he came back, <clears throat> when he came back, I um, uh, I went and rented a a unit. I think it was I think it was on Topsail Island or Topsail for a month, so that um, any of the guys that he wanted to bring along could go on there and hang out uh, for as long as they wanted. You know, oh, wow. it was so you, a, a home base kind of thing outside of Temple. So what, did, did you guys stay down there for any length of time or do you just rent it out for him and the guys to just decompress or, you know? No, we, we, we stayed down there. I actually stayed down there for the whole month. Nice. Um, because I'm, I'm a, I'm, when I came to the States, um, uh, the hospitality industry here doesn't pay very much. Mm. And um, so as soon as Rory was born, I, I became a stay at home dad. Um, and I was like that 
all the, all the time. I was kind of semi-retired and now I'm fully retired. But um, uh, I stayed at the unit to make sure that um, we had plenty of booze and plenty of food. And, <laughs> and, they, and they didn't burn it down or something. <laughs> and they didn't burn it down. Yeah. yeah. Um, Janice, Janice had to go back to work and, but yeah, um, I was available for him anytime. That was, that was it. Uh, Quite a bit of, uh, Rory's, uh, peer group were from Michigan. Um, that's right. Burke, um, I used to call him Mushface. He looked like a pit bull. Just his face was just mushy. Uh, Childs, a uh, Coldwell. Coldwell was in my peer group, but he was from Michigan. Just a bunch of Michiganders in our squad. Um, yes, that was so funny. Um, oh yeah, yeah, he even got got the D put on his his. Um, yeah, yeah, like a fucking loser. <laughs> I used to give that kid such a hard time. I think the funniest time that I had. Um, was I had duty and he was he was my A duty and uh, there I was I was a Lance Corporal at the time but I was a, a senior guy and uh, two occasions there was a, a moment where I told Rory to call I think Domino's and uh, I told him he's like what do you want me to get I'm like just get that one deal right there and and Rory verbatim reads the entire coupon you know, I would like to order one large savory, and, he, and I'm like, "What are you doing? Just order, <laughs> order the deal." But he reads the entire thing to this Domino's person, and I'm laughing in the background, and he, he couldn't understand why I was laughing. I was like, "Just read the deal. What you want? You want the two large for twelve ninety nine or whatever it was?" But he read the entire thing, and then that same day, some officer from a, another, some boot officer from another company comes in um and uh, i take my sweet i was a belligerent asshole but i take my sweet time getting up to salute and you know report you know you know good afternoon sir uh, lance corporal dead on duty nothing to report at hp whatever and he just kept looking at my stack <laughs> and uh, he looked at rory and he says stand the fuck up and read me your general orders and i just looked to rory and rory's like lost in the sauce like what do i do i'm like get up and say your uh, orders and uh <laughs> no one could do it. i mean this, this stuff like i don't know i couldn't remember like in boot camp maybe or maybe my first our first deployment where i had to say you know the 11 general orders but he couldn't say and he just got his ass ringed for like a good five minutes and then uh it was funny <laughs> was, yeah unlike my first experience when i hit the fleet i misspelled the company guns uh name uh, and it was going to Petrakis and I put a CK instead of just a K and uh, I got 48 hours of duty. Oh no. Yeah, <laughs> I was fucking miserable. So he got let off pretty easily. I think, I think. 48 hours. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That shit sucked. Yeah. There was a lot of good moments like that with Rory. I told these guys too. um, he was really upset whenever he left uh, the platoon to go to third platoon is where he ended up. 
we were dealing with a lot of internal politics. And I think a lot of that has to deal too with the outcomes because this is something that I try to elucidate writing my memoir and sharing with others is that a lot of, a lot of, uh, I, I know the needs of the Marine Corps, right? I know that's, that's mission essential, right? That, you, you know, this is about accomplishing the mission. If you're trained up, if your senior guys have trained up the younger guys, moving them to different places ain't going to be but a thing because they're already trained up. But when you invest uh, nearly six months of, of time and effort in training them to get accustomed to standard operating procedures, TTPs, and getting ready to go into the shit and internal politics uh, begins to happen and they start making decisions uh, that are not, um, I would say, in the best interest of those young Marines, but also undermining the leadership, the senior leadership of the platoon. So there was decisions that were made behind scenes that costed other Marines to get shifted around. And every so often they did that too with uh, our peer group, me and Polly's peer group. Um, we've had to, sh I think I was with like a second platoon then I went to first platoon, but you know, they did that periodically, but this time the one they did it, it was already moving toward uh, CACs, enhanced Mojave Viper. And Rory was so upset about it. We were all upset about it. Um, very much. And occasionally we would get into some serious arguments with our platoon sergeant. And I'm not talking about the, you know, the, you know, parade rest up and top and like, you stupid motherfucker, what are you fucking doing? Kind of shit. And yeah, that was the reality of things. But uh he was so upset about that. And you know, what could you do? You know, you're not a staff NCO. I wasn't a staff NCO, I was just an NCO. And uh that's how things played out. But he was so upset. But I was also I was also confident that he would be okay moving to another platoon and that it would yeah. take some time to adjust to get used to those guys. And then, you know, whenever he went to dog handler school and got the dog, you know, that's something that he, he looked like he was happy about. And I'm, I'm glad he got to experience that because it's, we had a dog, his name was Sergeant Rush. We used him only one time and uh, felt bad for the guy because it was just too damn hot to employ. But, uh, you know, he became kind of like a pet, you know, so it was like uh -huh. good to have that pup around. It was a big dog, but it was good to have him around, you know. So it's like having something like that overseas um, in that type of environment, especially that deployment, I, I know that provided some sense of security for Rory. And did, did, did y'all get to keep the pup? No. No. He was... Um... Somebody he he went back overseas again, and um, then then later on he came back, and we <clears throat> we believed that he became a police dog. After that, we don't know. We tried a number of um, avenues to try and get the dog, but it didn't pan out. And um, at one stage. Um, uh, we heard that Westbrook was first on, on the list to get it. So, which in our opinion, he didn't belong 
Um, he didn't deserve that one. So, but I did. <laughs> but no. Um, and then, of course, <clears throat> we got whiskey. And I couldn't see us really having two dogs in the house. Whis whiskey is rambunctious. He's slowing down, but he, he was rambunctious um, um, what, eight years ago. So. Do you got, do you feel like you guys got, you know, was that <clears throat> kind of like a, a therapeutic thing for you to, to, to have a pet around? And I mean, was there, did you find comfort in that having a dog? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Especially since it was Rory's dog. Yeah. <clears throat> um, what was that Janice? Oh, Rory just totally loved whiskey. Yeah. You know, um, so yes, to answer your question. Yes. Yeah. If we didn't have it, who knows? Right. Um, yeah, he, whiskey had the, the temperament to know that if something, if one of us was in a bad way, he knew exactly what to do. Yeah, that's a funny, we, we hear that a lot. And I've, I've experienced that personally. And anybody, whether it be, you know, a service dog or, or just a pet that, um, they found a bond with it's pretty amazing how how dogs can can key into those senses you know um yeah and really pull you through some some tough shit oh yeah um, <coughs> yeah yeah so so mike <clears throat> moving forward um, what maybe I'm mean, trying to like frame this the right way. If there's anything you just can say, say it. just say it, man. Just <laughs> you know, um, I'm not as I'm not as rambunctious as I used to be. I try to be considerate, um, which probably sounds a little bit odd because if you knew me back then, I was a fucking asshole. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well. I'm not, I'm certainly not going to say it, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> I remember the, that one day that you came to visit at, at the unit and uh, um, I thought, whoa, this guy is something. Ay, ay, ay. And uh, I seem to remember that I looked up to you. I don't know what it was. What's that? Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know really what it was, but uh, maybe it had to do with the fact that Rory talked to you, talked to us about you a lot. Um, so when I met you the first time, <clears throat> 
uh, I looked up to your guy. I thought you were, well, let's put it this way. All of you guys were badass Marines. So there was nothing else I could, you know, do. <laughs> and I just loved hearing your stories and loved seeing the way you guys acted and, um, that was a good time back then. That was a good time. And yeah, I will I will say there's there's one thing that I I've always felt like I was sure of everything I did. I say that kidding jokingly, but I, I tried to prepare myself before any situation, including joining the Marine Corps. But one thing I I did not realize was that you know, people hear about like Band of Brothers and all that but you really don't you don't understand that bond that is formed you know yeah not not even just not even going to combat with people but just being living around a group of guys who even if you could be polar opposites you're like-minded because of what you're there for and you know it's such a unique like eclectic group of people at different personality type you could imagine and you just you just form this bond that is, you know, it's a weird thing. I never, before joining, I never realized what that would be like, you know? Um, I I don't think you, I don't think you can, it would have to be, you know, just kind of forged in the fire type type deal, but it's pretty amazing. And I mean, I, I think that's why even this many years later, you know, guys like me and Josie, I'm not saying, obviously we're not the only ones there's, there's, so many of us out here that are still kind of kind of spinning the tires you know on on who we are and trying to figure it out and trying to progress our lives and you know we're all just reflecting back on that person um you know obviously your son was was a part of that a huge contributing factor to our unit and the success of the deployment he was on um but it's something it's something beautiful and ugly and very violent if you're on the other end of it, you know, and um, I think the thing you're, you're trying to do to do with, with your, you know, veteran suicide awareness month or PTSD awareness month, or, you know, I see a lot of issues with this, not because I think it's a bad idea. I think it's a, an excellent idea. But I think even though our VA and government has made leaps and bounds since World War II in addressing its veterans and their issues, there is still this stigma around, you know, your PTS and and that being directly linked to combat exposures. You know, it's almost an, an accountability thing. So you writing a letter to a congressman or high ranking official or the president. I, it's not that I don't think they're, they're not on board with something like this, but if we make it a national holiday, right? Not, not that it's a holiday, but an, a nationally known thing that, that veteran, you know, April is PTSD awareness month or suicide, you know, veteran suicide awareness month or whatever it, it might come to be called, which I do hope to see this happen one day, 
that is our government acknowledging that what it it's asking its service members to do especially combat related service members you know that there are strings attached to that and we acknowledge that and we acknowledge that if we send our son over there or sons and daughters or anybody that is in the line of fire we are acknowledging that they are going to come back change they are going to come back different whether whether it's physical or or mental it's going to happen it's what happens it happens to all of us mm-hmm. and whether people want to acknowledge it and say no i'm good bro i'm, I'm tough as fucking nails cool yes yeah, so so am i and so was i but i do realize that these things happen and and it's okay it's okay it was it was it was done from my personal experience and standpoint it wasn't done you know and you you might hear this time and time over it wasn't done it wasn't done for my country yes i i maybe originally signed that dotted line because i love my country and i wanted to do something for it and that was just the thing that seemed right at the time but when you're in there in the shit with your boys you know and your son experienced every ounce of this even though i wasn't there with them i know josie was and the guys were nothing matters except for that that moment that single moment you're in and you're in a tough spot and you rely on each other to get out of it and get back home you know um that's what it's about it's not about your country and and i love i love america and i love all the the people that live here but when you're in the shit you're not thinking about anybody that's three four thousand miles away from you i got you you're thinking about getting your boys and getting the fuck out of there, doing as much damage as you can and getting back home. That's it. And <clears throat> those are, those are different times. You know, you, you can't anybody that's been even close to a situation similar to, to what I'm describing is not going to come home the same person. Right. And these are things that me and Herrera talk about in depth Um, and he, you know, he has a plan, you know, to try and implement something. So situations like Rory was in, if there was a on-base personnel who was trained to, you know, see the signs that individuals show when they're in times of distress and maybe not, you know, this, this, if we're going to, if we're going to keep fighting wars, regardless of how they turn out and how involved people are, maybe they won't be in trenches like we were in canals and everything, you know, going toe to toe. There's still going to be stressors. There's still going to be issues. If there was somebody that could have addressed these issues and your son, the outcome may not have been the same. And I know we can, we can do the hypotheticals all day. That's not the way it, it, it played out. But the reality is, is he, he went and served his country. He did terrible things for his country. And then he came home and there was no one to talk to besides his boy, besides his boys that were to his left and his right. That's it. You know, um, none of us were trained, you know, nobody was trained. And there, there was, there was what, from what I can remember, very little to no, um, you know, psychological briefing or, or any type of 
stuff like that. You know, so we're young kids, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20 years old on average. The naivety is unbelievable. You know, you just think you think you're bulletproof. We all did at that age, no matter what you were doing. And, and yeah. so you don't yeah. even realize. And if you t- if somebody's telling you, hey, man, you know, you, you, we need to we need to think about what we're about to do. Yeah, no, we got it, bro. We're trained. You know, we're running ranges. We're doing all this shit. I'm physically in shape to do it. No doubt. We all were. But like, that's not what that's not. That's not what trails you for the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, um, and I know this is these are these are afterthoughts for for shit like this that happens to a lot of our guys, not just your son, but it's it's it it will it will I don't think it's not achievable, but I think it will be a big hurdle getting getting the country to do something on a national level that that, yeah. that addresses that and having these type of conversations like we're having right now our steps in the right direction for that. Cause the more people that hear this and listen to it and then yeah. say, you know what, these guys are, these guys are fucking right. You know, this is a, this is a, this is a father that lost his son due to combat related issues. These are two guys that experienced it, you know, in the thick of it at the time. Why these are, this is facts that, that we're displaying here. Yeah. These are true emotions you know, from all of our perspectives, you can't deny this. You can't, you, you can't deny that this is what happens to service members when you send them to war and day in, day out, it's kill or be killed. And that's just not, that's not blowing it up to what it, what it isn't. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, so I'm with you, man. I'm with you on that. I think that's a great, I would say, you know, the things that you're doing, just, just, just how deeply you are making the attempts to remember service members and their sacrifice. If more people could do that, I mean, I know obviously you're connected to us in this situation a little bit more closely than most people would be, but you know, that's really all we can do. That's all me and Jose have talked about this in private. Like that's all we can try to do is just live our best lives for them. Your son included because yeah, yeah, he did make it back. Conus, right. He, his feet were on the soil, but he wasn't here. He wasn't here, you know, um, he just didn't have his fire team or his squad with him in that fucking situation. And that was what the problem was. Right. So, It's a big, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's a big, it's a big thing. It's, it's, it's a real thing. And I know we have made, like I said, leaps and bounds. our country has for, for, for addressing these issues. Um, but I still think they don't, you know, they don't want to take full accountability for it because it's that, you know, look at our brother, our, our buddy. And I'm sure you probably saw the, some of the photos on Instagram, Dominic, um, Davila, who actually came on here and talked with us, came out there. He's he's a fucking amputee, you know what I mean? And he is he has one of the best mindsets, mental attitudes out of any guy you ever come across. It's not always like that, but yeah, he he's he's visibly physically injured. And he will be the one guy that tells you every fucking body that went over there deserves to be taken care of. 
because he knows he knows what it does up top. And it's just well, this is what this is what kind of pisses me off is that um, the governments they send you out, they create the wars, and then they send you guys out there to fight it for. And when you come back, you should be looked after. No ifs, ands, or buts. You need to be looked after. Um, yeah, I, I, when I was growing up, I, I heard about Vietnam, but I didn't experience it as, as, as the Americans um, kids growing up back then were doing, because I was on a little island. Um, but we we did hear that there was Vietnam was not a place to be. Not a nice place. And then when it was all over, veterans came home and they were spit, spat on or, or, you know, whatever. And, and that was all wrong. And now, now we're back in the same boat. You guys are not looked after properly. Yeah, it's fair. I feel like it's, so, very, it's very different because, you know, if you talk to Vietnam guys – compared to the way they were treated when they came home, they think it's great that they're getting, you know, some kind of attention now and they can go to the VA for their problems. So they, you know, most of them have a great experience in that regard. And I'm very grateful that that didn't happen to, to us coming home, you know, that I don't know what that would be like. That's, that's another level of something that you got to deal with. I think. Yeah. Um, but you're right. The idea that, oh yeah, we'll take care of you, but we're only going to take care of you this certain way. And kind of, we're going to kind of keep this hush hush that, you know, you got any real issues going on. And, um, I don't know. Yeah. Well, um, I've tried twice. Um, as I said, I went to, spoke to DeSantis and I spoke, well, I didn't speak, but I sent letters to DeSantis and, and Trump. And then that didn't pan out. And then I decided to go and talk to two representatives and uh, I talked. Uh, I probably didn't have the right language, um, but I talked and I didn't get too far. And um, I'll give it one more shot. Something is going to come up where I'll give it one more shot. My big thing is that I would like to, I would like to um, some years ago, they designated September as being suicide prevention month. Well, what I'm trying to do, what I would like to see happen is that um, the veterans are taken out of that and given a month. And my wife Janice came up with the idea to make it April because the next month is May. When you, you guys, what is normally called May Memorial Month. So, 
But anyway, I, I don't know. I, hey, I'm, I've only been an American for 35 years and I don't follow politics and I don't delve in, dig into it to find out what's going on. And like I said earlier on, it, it all sounds like football to me and I still haven't been able to try and figure out how football is played. Well, you know, <laughs> you know, I think, I think there is a way to make this happen. And the crazy thing about the internet and social media is that if you can get enough people to like or share something, you know, it, it, it raises eyebrows on certain individuals that can make things happen like this. There's also um, things that, that you can, I don't, I don't know what the direct website is, but there are petitions you can start to the White House that once they get a certain amount of votes, you know, the White House has to address them. Um, mm -hmm. And I can't imagine anybody who supports the military or this country in any capacity would have an issue with, with this. Um, I do think maybe, maybe sharing, maybe not exactly your letters that you wrote, but maybe write up kind of an outline on what, what you would like to see happen as far as, you know, veteran suicide or, or veterans PTSD awareness or whatever it is. Mm. And, you know, and just share something online. I guarantee you, you will get a ton of shares. Um, and I, a ton I, I spoke with my wife too, who, who works for uh, the hospital here uh, in CHEC and they're willing to disseminate and gain traction to assist you, Mike. Um, with getting the petition, they're willing to do that because that's what they they are supposed to do. So, oh, really? Oh, yeah. So, cool. I, connecting the dots, man, and we can make it happen. There's a and Mike. You got to realize too, man. There's unfortunately, you know, the situation that happened with your son and everything. There are many, many, many other families that are are in a very similar situation to you that would be full on board with, with an idea like this. Um, yeah. And you oh, know, yeah. you're, whether, whether you're directly in contact with, with any of them or not, you, you all probably share a, a very common bond, an unspoken bond like we do. Um, you know, and I, I mean, it seems like a great idea. I, I don't see why not, you know, won't definitely won't hurt anything in the no in the it, it's like if you don't ask you'll never know so nothing ventured nothing gained exactly <laughs> well guys it's been nice talking to you unless um uh there's anything else you would like to hear from me. Jose, thank you very much for inviting me. Absolutely. At any time you want to come on and share another message, we'll be willing to. Um, okay, cool. I'll get with you. Um, I got some ideas of how to do that, achieve that, if you're willing, okay. with your permission, um, allow us to assist. I can assist you with that. That's what I do now. <laughs> um, I have my own mission as well. Um, stop it before it even happens by yeah. having the personnel in place. And that's going to be an uphill battle as well, because people on the Hill are all about the money. Yes. Well, yes. 
well, this does affect the bottom line and you need a strong American society and you can't have one that's completely chaotic at every layer. And Uh just the way the new war is shaped out to be, it's affecting everyone. So civilians can't hide anymore. If they think that the war is on, on some foreign soil, it's not. It's in your living room. It's in your smartphone. It's in your communities. And they have to, I mean, my mentor Mark used to tell me all the time, you know, the way this country treats its veterans should be a mirror to any civilian who thinks that they won't get that same treatment. We're bastards, right? But whenever we're needed, oh, we're all for it. So that's a... That's something that I have to reconcile with. And it's that time. I think it's that time already. Um, you, anyone who says that suicide isn't a, a, an issue or, you know, it d- doesn't affect them is a straight up line because the science is there to back it up. You know, that's what the oh. science of memetics and contagion is all about. So, like I said, um, I appreciate you, Mike, coming on. Um, yeah, um, I fucking appreciate you. Um, and there's anything ever I can do, um, I'm here. All I got to do is call. Well, that goes both ways. Same to you, Tyler. Thank you, sir. You know, if if you ever if you ever want to come south, you know. Um, I like to if I do visit. Oh, Florida, Dade, if Dade I do. City. If I do visit Florida, it's not during the summer. I promise you that. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah, these <Yeah>. are crazy <laughs> down. Well, there. as a matter of fact, we we've got a we've rented a um, uh, a cabin up in um, uh, up in Michigan for uh, um, for September and October. Oh, nice. Um, so we're going up there. Um, um, uh, where where is it? Mayo, you know where Mayo is? Uh-uh. We're in the no. mitt. We're in the mitt. It, it, it's kind of like in the center. Center? Okay. Yeah. It's about an hour south of Alpina. Okay. Yeah, that'll be good. A lot of a lot of wood, a lot of wooded area. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um we're going to go up there and have a look around and see if we can find um, a what? A retreat, a retreat nice. for ourselves. Yeah, that'll be good. <laughs> that'll be good. Uh, September, October, that's when you said, right? Yes. Yeah, you want you're you're not in the brutal you're not in the brutal cold yet, so you'll be right. You'll be good. Yes. Yeah. So we'll we'll get. And and she'll get to see some of the fall leaves fall too. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But, well, thank um, well, well, thank you again, sir, for coming and and sharing some time with us. Like Josie said, we're always here. You know, you got a you got a band of brothers with you too. You know what I mean? Yeah. So any one yeah. of them, any one of them would never deny you guys. So, um, thank you. Yeah, so yeah. I, we'll that keep I know. We'll keep in touch. Keep fighting the good fight, and you know we'll 
we'll try to do what we can for you on the backside of getting this this thing awesome. brought to light. So awesome. All right. And Thank you, sir. You you two walk safe and keep on doing what you're doing. Watch that. Yes, sir. Thank you. Good, night. good evening. Thank you. God bless you both.